Hey everybody, welcome on in to WagerWeekly.com. Damon Roberts with you. Glad you're here. Do a little recap of uh, last week, week three in the NFL. We'll look ahead to week four. We'll take a look at week five in college football. Uh, coming off just a huge week at the site, WagerWeekly.com, where you can always get seven free days as a new user. Man, if you've been getting it this week, Stacey Loretta has absolutely been killing it. I think she's had one losing play the entire week of free plays, uh, sweeping the board on Sunday. Last night, giving out Dallas over New York. We'll recap the Monday night football game as everybody on the site, I believe, won with Dallas. Uh, and again, we don't plan where we load up on these games, but obviously Dallas was the play. Everybody thought it was a pretty sharp move. Line moved in our favor, plus three down to plus one. Uh, we were on it, and we released it, and we'll talk to the boys about it as well. Paul Bovey and Paul Nolan will join me here in a second. But always remember, at wagerweekly.com, seven free days of service as a new user, and all you have to do is sign up. That's it. It's simple. Sign up with an email and a phone number, and you get seven free days of service to get you started. A great way to start your journey with us at wagerweekly.com. And also remember, each capper has a free play on their expert page every single day. So if you don't want to do anything else, Go to my page every day. I've got a free play. Complimentary winner. Scroll to the bottom of the page. It's there each and every day. Paul Nolan the same. Stacey Loretta the same. So you can get free plays each and every day at the site. Wagerweekly.com. And again, sign up with an email and a phone number. And you get seven days of our paid releases free to get you started over there at wagerweekly.com. All right, let me bring the boys in. Paul Nolan, Paul Bovey. Good to have you guys back with us. A wacky kind of week three. Uh, but let's start recapping. First of all, uh, Paul Bovey, how are you? Doing great, Damon. Uh, everything was great last week. And, and yes, Dallas came through for us last night. We won on a prop. So it capped I off. Want, I, want a, I, gotta, I want let's make a big deal of this prop. That prop was a big deal. Noah Brown was a big deal. I never even thought of it. I get, I get the message from Paul. Oh, these two kids, they, they worked out together in the OTAs. They had a relationship beforehand. They're genuine friends. Now we'll gallop out. This kid is definitely going to break 30 yards. I thought when, he, when I saw that, I'm like, he's so much better than me at this. <laughs> One of those, why didn't I think of those moments? Well, what, what's wrong with me? Why can't I think like that? That was good. <laughs> it, was, it was great. Well, you know, it, go ahead, it Paul. did make sense. It did make sense because he had five receptions each of the first two games. And they have developed a chemistry between them. And frankly, C.D. Lamb drops balls. And I said this coming into the season. He led the league last year in drop passes. He had nine of them. He's a liability. I think Noah Brown is actually the better of the two receivers. And Gallup's going to have a hard time getting back in the lineup full time when he uh, when he works himself in this week. So uh, it was a good prop. I also went over four catches at plus money, over three and a half, over 43 and a half. And there was a prop up there with Noah Brown over Sterling Shepard plus two and a half. So that worked out as well. Yeah, that's a good call. Yeah, let's, I guess let's continue on the Monday night. Obviously, last night we said Cowboys plus one beat the Giants 23-16. And I guess just to start, kind of a kind of a master class in the total. I don't know if any of you guys were riding the total. I gave out the total as a free play. Unfortunately, I gave it out under 38 and a half. But you look at that total, obviously, open 40, uh, came down 38 and a half, ended at th- game ends at 39. So just kind of a master class in really a, a lot of what we've talked about here before, Paul Nolan, and that is, 
early value in the week. If you're waiting till Sunday at 1245 to put your games in, you're probably lighting the money on fire in most cases. You're not getting value. That total, as tight as it was, is a master class. And again, number one, the odds makers are pretty good at what they do. Number two, if you got it early in the week at 40, obviously 39 and a half, you cash the ticket as it lands on 39. Yeah, I mean, I'd like to talk to Paul about this. Um, the question I have is there are times where you, you, know, you can't make moves without knowing the injury reports, and I personally believe the injury reports in the NFL have become more convoluted, and I think coaches are willing to take fines if they're inaccurate with their reporting compared to you know, 12, 15 years ago. The last four or five years, though, it seems to me like it's still a crapshoot up to game time. So I, sometimes I find myself cautious you know, pulling the trigger unless I'm 100% certain about like vital players health um i don't know paul do you feel the same way price last week because i was all over the texans not only that i used them on my survivor pool thinking that i was going to get them out of the way and i had a winner because roquan smith was listed in my injury report on Friday as being highly doubtful, he ends up playing 16 tackles, <laughs> numerous uh, pressures on the quarterback, as well yeah. as the key interception at the end. So you, you don't know what's reliable and what's not. And I have think you have to just sift through the rubble and use your own judgment. And a lot of times you can assess it by the injury itself. Uh, if it's a knee, it's they're more susceptible not to play next week and, and and you can judge by the practice reports but and you can use the rule of thumb which generally holds not all the time as in the case of smith if they don't practice on friday they're probably not going to play but it's not a guarantee yeah uh, agreed um i do think though you had reason to pull the trigger on that when the report said he was essentially out and he didn't practice of course on friday he, he didn't practice all week and he's also a guy who's negotiating a contract, looking for the real payday that he deserves. And a lot of times you'll see guys err to the side of cautions when they're in a contract you're betting on themselves. So I could see jumping the gun on that one a little bit. But I mean, he was, I mean, he was like reminiscent of, of Jefferson from Fast Times at Ridgemont High. He was everywhere on that football field. He was a legitimate difference maker. He's not on that field. I think Houston rolls. I think Houston rolls, and there's some coaching decisions I thought were highly suspect down the stretch there as well. So I thought uh, I wrote Houston should have won that game outright, had him in a survivor pool as well, you know, uh, Circa. So, you know, it's a little on the frustrating side. I, by the way, I, I would like to, if we can, before this show's over, let's address the um, the malpractice epidemic of uh, uh, the coaching malpractice epidemic. That's uh, the the time management and the decisions being made. I. It's all across. It's league-wide. It's league-wide. Yeah, we saw, it, uh, we saw it really kind of take shape with, obviously, at the end of the Bills game. Uh, I, I, don't know, no, I don't know that it necessarily was warranted there. Obviously, out of the Bills, I mean, it had a pretty good day offensively. Me and Paul talked about this. To, to me, Josh Allen looked like he was holding the ball extremely long. I mean, I get the heat. I get the yards that they did rack up on offense. But it just seemed to me, every time they had a big play, he seemed to just either not like what he saw uh, he seemed like he was holding the ball, and then obviously down the stretch, the time management, the clock, not getting the snap, not getting it uh, grounded for the field goal, and the OC absolutely loses his mind in the booth, kind of the viral video of the week. Uh, yeah. Paul Bovey, I don't know how much time you spent watching the Bills-Dolphins game, but uh, what, what did you think of the ending of that game? Do you think they just – did you think they mismanaged? Do you think that reaction from him was due? Well, 
uh, I'm going to make a point about Ken Dorsey and Sean McDermott because last week against the Titans, points were left off the board in the first quarter when he elected to run a quarterback sneak from the shotgun. I have a problem with this. If you need to go three inches forward, why would you go four yards back? So I posted it on Twitter, and of course, everybody is result-based, and they come back and say, oh, did you check out the final score? Of course I did, because I had the Bills heavily and won the game comfortably and and did quite good on the game. Uh, But the other day, they did the same thing down at the goal line, inches to go. He ends up taking a two-yard loss, and the whole thing blows up there, and they don't score. And uh, it it was frustrating to me. And if Dorsey called it, uh, which he likely did, then he deserves everything he got. As far (laughs) as look, uh, I I love that. Yeah, I I, and I actually tweeted the guy. I was waiting for a response. And I tweeted it. I included him in a tweet in a response to the guy that came back at me last week and said, oh, did you check out the final score? I couldn't wait to give it to him. Because that ended up uh, frustrating any opportunity for that game to go to overtime and go over the total, which was it was one of the few games that I lost. Uh, the Bills looked very vulnerable on offense. They couldn't protect Allen properly. I think he um, took three sacks. Now their defense is out. They lost another corner on Sunday. This is a team that if you're playing futures with, you better be careful because I I wouldn't have a lot of confidence in them with their team pared down the way it is. Yeah, Christian Benfor is out now as well. You add that with the rest of the, you know, the the walking wounded back there. You you lose your two best, maybe the two best safeties or the best safety tandem in the league in in Jordan Poyer and and Micah Hyde. I mean, those guys are as good as it gets. Dane Jackson almost breaks his neck. Tredavious White went out. You know, before the season, I mean, that's a, that's the walking wounded back there. Um, this is a team that is primed to maybe uh, value on an over before people really catch on to like how how depleted that secondary really is. Keep it in yeah. mind. Let's let's go over a couple stats, guys, in the NFL so far. Obviously, with the Cowboys last night, uh, underdogs improved to twenty nine eighteen against the spread this season, sixty two percent. Uh, primetime dog, 64-47 against the spread. That's 58% since 2020 now. You've got four teams that are still perfect against the spread. The Dolphins, 3-0 ATS. The Lions, 3-0 ATS. Falcons, 3-0 ATS. And the Houston Texans at 2-0-1 ATS. Those are your four teams. Um, I guess anything about, as we put a cap on week three, is there anything else about week three that surprised you or those teams that are still perfect against the spread? And then we'll kind of look ahead here to week four. Or let me just throw it out now. Is there anything in an opening line that you've seen already this week? What's the biggest surprise in the NFL as we head towards week four? Paul uh, Bovey, I'll start with you. Well, we saw Cincinnati open up a one-point favorite. It's up to four. And I'm not sure why... The dramatic jump in the line, although there are some question marks with respect to Tua and Waddle and a couple guys on the offensive line, but still, that is a huge jump on a Cincinnati team, which has not been all that impressive. By the way, that 27-12 victory over the Jets, they had a drive extended uh, by a very silly roughing penalty on Joe Burrow which would have forced a punt, and instead Cincinnati goes down and scores a touchdown. So I think they benefited by that. They haven't looked all that impressive, and yet 
they surge from one point to four points in a matter of a day, day and a half uh, over the Dolphins having just beaten the Bills. So that's the move uh, that's been most eye-popping. And, and Paul, you know I'm on the total on the uh, L.A. game and, and Houston. And by the way, L.A. has moved down from a seven-point favorite to four-and-a-half, and rightfully so. These Chargers are beset by injuries on the offensive line. They lost their left tackle now. Lindsley didn't play on Sunday, one of the best centers in the league. They're starting a rookie at right guard, uh, and they replaced Storm Norton, who had given up like eight sacks last year. So yeah, He's as bad as it gets, Storm Norton. It's as bad as it gets. Uh, they came into the game on Sunday, 55 attempts, 151 yards on the ground. Eckler was, I think, 28 uh, for 75, and it didn't get any better on Sunday against Jacksonville. They were snuffed out all day. So as you pointed out before the show, Paul, they take on Houston this week, who gave up 280 on the ground to Chicago in that three-point losing effort. But uh, it's still going to be a challenge for them to run the football. Yeah, I agree. Good. I'm sorry. I was just going to say the Miami Cincy's obviously just for anybody who was watching is the Thursday night game. Cincy now minus four, as Paul pointed out, your over under is 47 there, 815, obviously on Thursday night. A couple other interesting uh, lines right now for Sunday coming up week four, obviously in the NFL, Minnesota on the road, a two and a half point favorite at New Orleans. Um I'll tell you another one that jumped out at me besides that one is the Jacksonville-Philadelphia game. Philly, obviously 3-0, looks like the class of the NFC East at home. Here comes a Jacksonville team, obviously the big blowout win last week. A lot of us were on Jacksonville, thought they were maybe for a little more for real this year. But, man, under the touchdown at home, 6.5, Paul Nolan, I know you know this Philly team well. Do you think that's a little too much respect for this Jacksonville team still, or is it just what the eye saw last tells us that Jacksonville should be under that key number of seven here, even on the road in Philly. Right. Well, we've seen Jacksonville now back-to-back weeks as big dogs come out and, and stomp somebody for the most part. Um, you know, Jacksonville's been a good value for us both. I mean, Paulie had him two weeks ago. I had him two weeks ago. I had him last week. He had him last week large as well. Um, a lot of times you'll see a team like a, a, a young upstart team. Um, they shut out uh, Indianapolis, which doesn't say a lot, but Indianapolis showed us a lot more this week um, than we had in the past. And it, with them beating Kansas City, it kind of validates them a little bit more. And then we see the, the Chargers take a full beating with, obviously, to me, one of the better quarterbacks in the league. In fact, I see Trevor Lawrence is exactly what everybody, every football fan in the world wants. Uh, they see Herbert. They didn't want Lawrence to be Herbert, so to speak. They, the league needs another young superstar. Uh, and he came out and played like it. He was accurate. He's The way he's rolling his body to uh, against the grain to the left and still hitting guys on outs. Uh, he's showing a lot of arm talent. And um, ETN is really starting to look comfortable in the offense. Zay Jones is starting to look like a legitimate threat everywhere on the field. The offensive line is playing better than I expected going in. But more important, that defense has been uh, bordering on just – like a bunch of crazed dogs. I love when you see a gang of guys just all together as a unit, and that defense is, is again, I didn't expect them to look as, as good as they have so far. But you're talking about a shutout win, and then you talk about go cross country to beat, um, you know, one of the odds on, like one of the darlings of the league right now in L.A. and and Justin Herbert. And now I sometimes I feel like they go back, now they face a team with a winning record, 
I, I, I try to, I, I feel like there's going to be a soft spot in their game this week, not used to the pressure of being as well. I'm my early lean is Eagles on this one. Um, Paul, do you have an opinion? You look at this Eagle team, they beat the Lions in the first game, 38-35. I don't think they were all that impressive. They Offensively, they were. Defensively, not so much. Then they take on Washington. Washington, you have to downgrade them. I mean, this team has, what, 60 yards of offense in the first half against Detroit and then this past week. So... And the Minnesota uh, game on Monday night, they did yeah. snuff out in Minnesota on national television as well. So they, that's lost. where they did their. That's where they did their work, Paul. They did it against Minnesota, which Minnesota runs hot and cold. Jefferson this week was held to 14 yards on three receptions. I don't know how that happened. I don't know how uh, Detroit managed to do that. They're one of the worst pass defenses over the years, but they did it. So. I don't have a lot of faith in this team, uh, Minnesota, from a consistency standpoint. I still want to see more from the Eagles, and I like what the Jaguars have done. I, I, I think you make a good point about going cross-country, but in terms of talent, I don't see a huge disparity right now. You know, the only thing I like to address with that is uh, it's a really good points. Is the thing for me that concerns me about the Eagles is this: the second half scoring, the second half defense as well. When they were in Detroit, they started out that game looking like world beaters, and then they just relaxed and they did look awful in the second half defensively as well. Didn't really put up this. Didn't have the same flow on offense. Same thing against Minnesota. They really came out of the gate, played well. Second half, not much, and then they kind of relaxed on their laurels with an easy lead in the in the in the game against Washington. So something to be said for that at this point, but uh, I do like the Seagull team. I love its depth. I love that they can rotate so many guys on the de- defensive line. Um, the first round pick uh, superstar stud uh, nose tackle had 14 reps last week. And, you know, he still had five pressures. I, he, I know they have him on a pitch count, but that Fletcher Cox is starting to get involved. Brandon Graham's getting involved now. Those guys are leading the young ones and, um, that offensive line is deep too. They do a lot of cool things with angular blocking. I, I think they could. I think this is gonna. I do think it's more of a step up in class um, than what uh, than what uh, Jacksonville's seen so far. But I do think the talent's a little closer than I did before the season started. My opinion is without a doubt. I'm definitely getting a little more bullish on the Jaguars and and Trevor Lawrence is turning into what I'd hoped he'd be. All right, let's keep moving through the Sunday card. Um, Paul Bovey, you mentioned Washington in, in, in your review of that game, and they opened um, three and a half. Dallas obviously trying to keep pace with Philly off the big Monday night win. They go home two and one. Washington one and two comes in. Dallas minus three and a half. I've heard a lot of talk early on from people that uh, that Washington may be looking at Washington as a, as a play this week at three and a half. And I'll tell you, I, it speaks to me just the opposite. Looking at this game, I, I, I am I'm very heavily leaning towards looking at using Dallas in this game because of that three and a half number at home. I mean, I watch this Washington offense, whatever you could see of it, because it seemingly is non-existent. Uh, I mean, they don't even join the scoring till the fourth quarter in that game last week. I mean, they just looked inept. The quarterback looks inept. Um, and Dallas coming home, obviously they know Philly's obviously going to be the real deal. They're going to have to keep pace. You've got a, a, a quarterback in Cooper Rush who looks more comfortable in the offense, who now I think is 3-0 and as a starter, obviously won two in a row, games that people 
you know, again, the fact that Dallas was plus one on Monday night was all I needed to know to be on them because you look at the Giants, 2-0, and for the most part healthy, quarterback starting at home. And the fact that Dallas wasn't a bigger underdog to me was a real telltale sign to be on Dallas in that game. And I kind of feel the same about this game, Washington coming in. The fact that this is three and a half, I could see it maybe even moving to four. And I look at where the total lies in this game. I'll tell you, I'm very strongly looking at Dallas as a play in that game. Any, any opinion, Paul Bovey, on the Washington-Dallas early on here in the week? First of all, I just want to point out last night, I expected that line to flip. I thought Dallas would become a favorite. And I would be uh, less comfortable with the Cowboys if it did flip. Because oftentimes... When it does, it's the home dog that ends up getting the cover. So I was, I was comfortable that it stayed at the one, but I didn't see any way that Dallas shouldn't be favored against the Giants. And I think Washington is getting a whole lot of respect here. I, I, I can't believe that they're making Dallas what amounts to be a half a point on a neutral field over a Washington team that offensively has looked horrible. It, it, it you want to imagine Washington having a good game on offense here, but then you think of this vaunted Cowboy defense throwing the kitchen sink at Carson Wentz, and you're saying, well, how the heck is that going to happen? Because they, they really put Daniel Jones under a lot of pressure last night, and I'm giving DJ a lot of credit because I thought the guy was absolutely fantastic uh, he ran for 79 yards. He had a number of drops, specifically by Galloway and Sterling Shepard late in the game that would have given him a few first downs. I thought he did great. And he avoided the turnover, the dreaded turnover, to the last uh, throw of the game, which was caused by a receiver slipping down. But getting back to that Dallas game, I think Dallas is – getting no respect here. They should be at least a five-and-a-half to a six-point favorite. And I looked at the line, and I said, what the heck am I missing here? Yeah. Uh, I'm in the same boat here with the, you guys. Um, first thing is, last night, Dallas, again, that offensive, uh, that defensive line has showed just completely wreak havoc. Um, Demarcus Lawrence really started to look like himself. Now, the Giants' offensive line is is one of the worst, according to my numbers. Um, but it doesn't matter. That, it's not like Washington has a great offensive line as well. They gave up nine sacks last week. Could have been more. Carson Wentz looks completely uh, just a deer in headlights. Um, I, I he, he, It's just a matter of time before like he starts getting the um, – Shell shock look to him where, and on, where he just starts throwing it away like he did. He's had all those knee injuries and the problems he's had with, it, with you know, in, in his career. I do not see him staying in the pocket. And then on the other side of it, I'm pr- impressed with Cooper Rush. He had that drop by C.D. Lamb. It was a perfect strike. Couldn't hit a ball better. He was he was leading guys. He was putting the ball in, in really good spots. And um, you know, and obviously with Pollard healthy and Ezekiel Elliott, the running game will be there. And obviously the offensive line is not what it ever was, but they were creating holes. They were against the giant defense that had played above uh, expectation based on Wink Martindale's scheme. He's been a, you know, he's a great coach wherever he goes and he's been a good fit for this defense. So I don't, I do not see Washington's defense as a major step up. And I can't see how this is a three at this point. And I even saw uh, Dallas was laying 160 in some spots, which if that was, Boy, if that was 145 or 50, I probably would, would back the truck on there and lay it, lay it um, on, on a heavy number 
with no line whatsoever. But I, I just think this is this is a game that I just don't understand this line at all. My number is five and a half. All right, there you go. A um, couple other games I want to ask you guys about before we move to quickly on college football, and I'll give you the last word here on week four in the NFL. But just a couple other games. Obviously, Buffalo to see how they respond now, go on the road. To Baltimore, both teams 2-1. and one. Buffalo, a three-point road favorite in Baltimore. Obviously, this is Lamar Jackson, who I keep saying I think is going to make this Ravens uh, organization sorry that they didn't find a way to come up to a contract with him because he's, he, he just – the numbers he's putting up, he, I mean, just are phenomenal. Uh, Paul Bovey, I'll start with you. Any surprise Buffalo being a three-point road favorite here? Is this lack of respect for Baltimore, or do you think this is a deserved uh, three-point uh, favorite on the road for the Bills? No, I think it's a deserved three-point favorite. Look, one thing about that game Sunday, uh, New England had that game. I mean, a couple turnovers late, uh, or else New England walks away with the win. Uh, Lamar Jackson, was he great? Not to the wideouts. He was great to the tight ends, and he ran the football as he usually does. So I think he's had a great year. Uh, more or less, uh, he's leading the team. They're winning. They're scoring points. Buffalo, I think, as I pointed out before, they're very vulnerable. But Baltimore is down to their fourth-string left tackle, which is going to hurt, and it's going to force Lamar Jackson to continue to scramble out of the pocket and win games with his legs. So the total, by the way, opened at – 55 came down to 52 so it's been quite a drop here uh i don't know which way i would go with that i didn't like the 55 at all and i was going to go under and i didn't press the button and of course now i'm sorry yeah but i think 51 and a half on the board now yeah 51 and a half now it's floating around that number i might even be a taker to the high side at 51 but uh, it, this is a game I'm just going to sit back and watch. I really don't have a strong opinion. Okay. Uh, Paul Nolan, I'll come to you. A couple of the games, obviously, we saw the injury. Um, the New England-Green Bay game, Green Bay 10.5, obviously, because of the injury to the quarterback. Uh, Denver, Las Vegas, Las Vegas now 0-3. Denver on Sunday night looked pretty anemic. Obviously, they win the 11-10. Uh, you know, they, they pull out the win. But, my God, Russell Wilson, it looked like a time in that game where he had never seen a blitz package before. I mean, Denver looked somewhat anemic. And I know Russell, after the game, says, hey, it's going to take time. But, I mean, man, you could hear the crowd getting a little uneasy with the offense. They go on the road to the 0-3 Raiders. I don't know if you have an opinion on that game. And then the only other game, obviously, I have an interest in is, obviously, both teams coming off a loss, Kansas City, Tampa Bay. In Tampa Bay, both teams now 2-1, and one. Kansas City a two-point favorite. Paul Nolan, either one of those games excites you this week, or are you looking at Well, it's hard to get excited about anything with the Denver Broncos in it right now. That offense has looked utterly just brutal. Just the confusion, the, the, the distrust, it almost looks like, you know, with the, you know, the quarterback and the receivers, they look like there's just no sync whatsoever, obviously – you know, there's so much been made about Russell Wilson holding on to the ball forever. He had always done that in, in Seattle. But, you know, for him to not be able to find Cortland Sup or, or Jerry Judy, you know, obviously the loss of Tim Patrick early in the year has made a difference. But th- there's no reason for this offense to be as anemic as it's been, especially when it started to show signs of life. It was averaging 6.2 yards per play going into last week's game. One of the reasons why I thought that we'd saw, finally see some things happen within the red zone. And, again, I was – one of the few games I lost, uh, 
you know, really this season I've been really lights out except for a handful, but that was the worst pick I think I've ever made in my life. I mean, it was never, it was never close. And, you know, so I, I for me, it's hard for me to get excited over a Denver team or, or Josh McDaniels Raiders. I mean, they, had all these tight, close games. They were in everything for the most part. They played a lot of low-scoring games as well. You know, this to me, the only thing you're thinking of right now is, is this total of, uh, essentially, you know, a little too high? I mean, it, I think I, last I saw it was 43-and-a-half, and with both of these offenses struggling to, to – 46 kind of, now, Paul. Is it 46 now? Good Lord. Oh, yeah, look at that. I was going to say, I was – I mistake. Um Denver's going to score points here. I'm going to tell you right they're now. They do, right? They do based on the yards per play. But I believe that last week, and if I if I don't come back with it this week, I'm going to kill my. I'm going to hate myself. Listen, the, the the Raiders are not good defensively. They lost two more corners this week, or act, actually, they are questionable to play. Their defensive backfield has been gutted. They lost Anthony Averett, who they got from uh, Baltimore, and. Hey, they're they're going to be in, in trouble. I, at one point on Sunday, Ryan Tannehill, I believe, was 12 or 13 for like 150 yards. He settled in and had uh, lesser numbers by the end of the game, but they didn't have any trouble moving the football. I think uh, uh, Derrick Henry, 20 carries, 85 yards. He's had some issues uh, getting off on the ground. He didn't on Sunday, and I, and I think Denver scores 24 to 27 points here. So you could take that whatever way you want. Denver and over is probably going to be a solid play here. Yeah, Denver gets K.J. Hamler back right now. Again, the math last week told me that this they should have been able to put up those points and start producing in the red zone. Um, so to me, it's going to be hard for me to pull the trigger on that over, but that total being – going up tells me I must have missed it at 43 when it was available. All right, and then finally, obviously, I touched on already Kansas City-Tampa Bay, your Sunday night game. Kansas City, a two-point road favorite heading to the Bucks. Uh, Tom Brady has looked less than uh, Tom Brady-ish in the last couple games. Paul Bovey, I'll start with you. Any interest in the Sunday nighter? Well, I'm not going to blame Tom Brady in totality. He actually did okay on Sunday. Just his receiving corp has been depleted by injury. Mike Evans sat out with the suspension. So um, I think he's done a good job. Uh, the total is comes in at 45, which any total with Kansas City at 45 and, and Patrick Mahomes alongside Tom Brady, you got to figure that's pretty low. So I'm not going to go near that. And I'm probably just going to sit back and watch what should be a very entertaining contest. You know, obviously, right. depending on weather, right? Are we concerned about, you know, didn't they, wasn't there talk about moving this game this week as well? So this it being Tuesday right now. Um, yeah, possible the big uh, big storm, the big hurricane coming through Florida. Yeah, I mean, right now it says it's supposed to be clear by then. So we'll see. But, uh, you know, again, maybe that's the only reason why that this total is on the low side right now based on the winds yeah. and the reaction to it now. Yeah. All right, that's a little preview of your week four. Again, guys, wagerweekly.com. You can always get seven free days of service. I'm uh, talking to Paul Nolan and Paul Bovey. Obviously, both are on the site each and every day. Wagerweekly.com. Sign up, get seven free days of service as a new user. 
Uh, week five college football, guys. Uh, we could just take a brief look at that, and I'll just really ask you anything that's jumped off the page, obviously. Uh, you know, this is the time we get to week four. People who are looking at kind of ATS, what teams have done. Sometimes they feel like, oh, I must have missed a boat on this team, or maybe I haven't missed a boat on this team. Uh, still a lot of football to be played. Still trying to figure out who can we trust in college football, who's covering numbers. Uh, Paul Bovey obviously been rock solid in college football all year long. Uh, what's jumped off the page of you, if anything? Uh, what are you looking at for a week five? You focused on more sides? You're looking at totals? Where are you looking in a week five of college football? All right, so, Damon, I made about eight plays this week, and I'm going to give out a couple of them complimentary. One of them, the, the number has moved up dramatically. I got Kent over Ohio, minus seven. It's up to ten and a half. I think that Ohio defense, which was just torched by the Fordham Rams of all teams, uh, they're going to have a lot of trouble with their in-state rival. Even though they're off the game against Georgia, I think they'll be totally focused here. First conference game, and I think they should roll over Ohio quite easily, call it like 41-21. to 21. Uh, Just another game I'll throw out there. It's not customary that I lay 11 points on the road, actually 10.5, but I'm going to do so with the Michigan Wolverines this week who struggled a bit with Maryland on Saturday, but they get an Iowa team, which is inept on offense. Yeah. Uh, Petrus, the quarterback, 92 yards against Iowa State on 26 attempts earlier in the year. Baylor, Baylor came back against Iowa State last week, and on 26 attempts, their quarterback went for 238. They ran the ball in that game 25 times for 58 yards, uh, defensively, they just gave up 300 yards to the Rutgers quarterback, who combined against Temple and BC had gone 11 of 18 for 125 yards. So I, I just think that uh, Iowa is going to be exposed here. Michigan will not hesitate to roll it up. Uh, they've had opportunities to roll it up against Hawaii and Connecticut, and they, they put the brakes on, struggled a little bit. With uh, Maryland last week, 34-27, but this is a, a situation where they're going to be focused. They're all four straight home games, so they will not be depleted, and I, I think you're going to see a big win by the Wolverines. All right, very good. Uh, I've, I've been looking at this Kentucky-Ole Miss game, and I tell you, I really think I'm going to lay it with Ole Miss, obviously six and a half at home, and you look and you say, man, Kentucky ranked seventh, 4-0. But I look at who Kentucky's played, Miami of Ohio in the opener, Youngstown State, okay, 31-0, Northern Illinois, 31-23. To me, this is a big step up, and I think that's why you see Ole Miss favorite here, six and a half at home. Obviously, last week they beat Tulsa, Georgia Tech. Obviously, they played a couple cupcakes as well. But I think this is a good spot for Ole Miss. It's going to be my free play on the site, and I'll give it here. Ole Miss minus six and a half over Kentucky. I think they keep going, and I think they deal Kentucky the first loss here on Saturday. That's the game I'm looking at. Paul Nolan, anything jumped off at you here, week five college football? You know me, man. I'm gonna when it comes to college football, I'm gonna defer mostly to my brother's team. And I'm gonna defer to you guys, especially, you know, um the, the role Paul's on. I mean, everything he touches has been nothing short of gold. So I, I I'm content right now. I, my brother's been doing great. His his game's been outstanding, but uh, you know, I, I just stick to what I love. And I love NFL and I and I you know, I love NHL and MLB, but I I'm not. I just don't do. I just don't do the college basketball, NBA, or or college uh, uh, college football. I just don't have enough time. I I want to focus all my attention on NFL. 
Hey, Damon, I'm going to make one point about that uh, Kentucky game because I happen to hit Ole Miss at six on the opener. It went up to seven, settled back into six and a half. One of the reasons I played is because Kentucky has had a lot of trouble running the ball. 38 carries for 70 yards against the Florida Gators, who were gashed by USF uh, for yes. 300. And USF Oof. was completely shut down this week by Louisville. But they do get their running back, uh, Christian Rodriguez, back, who is out with suspension, Kentucky does. And he is actually a stud. So it should improve their running game. But I would agree with you that they still may have trouble running the ball. Their offensive line issues. And they have taken uh, – Will Levis has absorbed 14 sacks this year uh, playing uh, two MAC teams included in the three teams that they've played uh, plus Florida. The two MAC teams plus Florida, 14 sacks. So – he figures not to get a lot of pass protection here. I do think Miss uh, will cover this game, but having learned that Rodriguez is back in the lineup, I, I've pared down my support a little bit from the opener. All right, very good. There you go. Little little preview of a week five college football, and of course week four, week four in the NFL. The boys will be back all week long, and again, plays every day. Paul Bovey will have most of his plays up for the week. Again, guys, it's about finding value. That's why they're going to be there early in the week. Paul Nolan will have plays as well, as along with myself. And again, new users, seven free days of service for just signing up. You can do that at wagerweekly.com. Guys, I want to thank you, as always, for joining me. And again, we'll continue to do these videos. Make sure you check back on the site on the homepage. As we get closer to the weekend, we'll, uh, we'll, have, an, we'll have an updated video looking at Saturday and Sunday right here at wagerweekly.com. All right, for Paul Nolan, Paul Bovey, I'm Damon Roberts. I'm glad you joined us today. Make sure you check back each and every day right here at wagerweekly.com. Enjoy the rest of your week. We'll see you back here Thursday night and then Friday with a look at your Saturday and Sunday updates for wagerweekly.com. Enjoy the night, everybody. We'll see you back here again.